Stunning news in the college sports world involving one of the all-time greats. We've got to cover it. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by Game Time. I am your host, Cam Stewart. And yeah, you've all seen it by now. Major, major, major bombshell news coming out of the world of college sports. I mean, one of the greats is saying goodbye. And it it really is. It, it's a shell shock. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, when you see the news that D'Antoine Grimes is leaving Baylor and entering the transfer portal, you know where you are. And it's a moment in history. And look, I, I'm a big fan of D'Antoine. And it, oh, wow. Nick Saban is retiring. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did this come from? Nick Saban the greatest college football coach of all time is retiring. I mean, how many bombshells can you have in one day? Guys, oh, that changes. That changes a lot. Wow. Now, look, I mean, this has been what? Four years, three years. Since Alabama's won a national championship, that that's a long time around there. And with Nick Saban gone, I wonder if they try to really go outside the box and reverse course on the on the type of coach they have. I mean, clearly the the tactician, field general, great with the media, very vocal at times, hard butt head coach was not working. So does Alabama dig down deep and go with a detail-oriented, another defensive side of the ball guy who's a little more mercurial and careful with his words? Does Alabama go for Dave Aranda? Look, guy, look, I'm just going to say this straight up. There ain't no discounts for you, Dave. Okay, Alabama is going to have to pay up fair and square if they want your services. Because we are going to drive a hard bargain if they want to bring you to Tuscaloosa. Don't think it's just going to be easy. Is that a direction Alabama goes? Do they try to lure their defensive coordinator out of retirement with Kevin Steele and look at his record as a head coach and think, boy, that's, that's... Someone we could certainly bring in. Alabama brings in has a good history of bringing in coaches from the state of Texas. First, it was Bear Bryant. Now it could be Dave Aranda. It could be Kevin Steele. It could be Matt Rule. Look, people are clamoring for the Baylor connection. But wow, this is huge. This is huge. And, and if if and when it's just a matter of when. Alabama brings in Dave Aranda. Uh, do you think Saban, like Brady, gets the itch to come back and all of a sudden his job at Alabama is gone, but there's a vacancy at Baylor? Is there a pipeline 
for Nick Saban to be coaching at Baylor next year? Sound off down in the comments below. This is huge. This is huge. I've got to stick with the bigger news, though, of D'Antoine Grimes leaving Baylor. He announced that on Twitter yesterday that he will be entering the transfer portal with two years of eligibility, by the way. That's oof, that's a that's a nice little prospect for some team. Um, this one was too bad. Too bad. Uh, D'Antoine, I really like his game. Now, when you look at it purely from a roster standpoint, there is a logjam. There's a logjam, uh, obviously, this year. But even looking forward at the guard position, um, they bring in Jaden Nunn this year, whose profile is a lot like D'Antoine Grimes, it sounds like. Um, and clearly, he is the preferred guard there. Um, you know, D'Antoine was working back his way into the lineup, took a redshirt year last year uh, to really hone his craft, work on his game. It, and Scott Drew was very complimentary of that decision uh, from D'Antoine Grimes because he was a guy who showed out uh, in Canada. You remember that last last summer, summer of 22, uh, when they played in whatever that global jam tournament, I think is what it was called. Uh, he had some big games in Canada, some double-digit scoring games, and we were like, boy, hold on to your seats. Here comes D'Antoine Grimes, the next great transfer guard to come in at Baylor. And he takes the redshirt year, I think disappointing from a fan standpoint, but certainly one where you're like, wow, what, what a mature decision. Um, he is going to be really integrated as a part of this group and just hasn't found the minutes this year. Um, had, had a couple of games where he plays double-digit minutes, but none of them against Power 5 competition. Uh, 17 against Mississippi Valley, 10 against Northwestern State, 13 against Kansas City, 14 against John Brown. Um, when it came to the big games, he he wasn't out there, played two minutes uh, against Auburn in Game 1, uh, played seven against Michigan State in a blowout, eight against Duke, um, and he didn't even appear in the last game, the last two games, as a matter of fact, the conference games against Oklahoma State BYU last time out for him was against Cornell where he played six minutes. So yeah, just a guy who wasn't seeing the court enough. And it really is a log jam at guard when you think about um but both guard positions, you know, Ray J. Dennis and Jaden Nunn and and uh, uh you know Miro Little coming off the bench. And, and he's certainly a guy with an eye towards the future as well. Langston Love has put it together some great performances off the bench for Baylor. It just feels like, although there's plenty of upside with D'Antoine Grimes, um, and I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, uh, that it just probably was he wasn't going to get a ton of shine here. Uh, similar to Dale Bonner last year, who obviously did play a lot more than Grimes did this year, but I think he was looking down the line and saying, I, I don't know exactly where and how I fit in here. And I think that's what D'Antoine Grimes is probably saying too. You know, of, of course, you look at next year with with no Ray J. Dennis, uh, but you also will have Miro Little and uh, and Rob Wright at guard. And so it it just doesn't look like a slam dunk future in terms of playing time for him. So uh, he's going to go somewhere. I mean, he had some some decent, uh, some good mid-major interest out of Kilgore where he played at junior college um, and also had an offer from Oklahoma state for Mike Boynton that he was, that he was weighing before committing to Baylor. And I, he's going to make a team very happy. Uh, I think he's still legit two way guard who can, who can play serious minutes in the power five uh, and can shoot the rock a little bit too. Um, 
I hope it's not in the Big 12. <laughs> I, 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 if Mike Boynton is at Oklahoma State still next year, that's a guy he would love. We just saw the playing style from Oklahoma State on Saturday. Didn't necessarily carry over in their game a couple nights ago against Texas Tech where they got blown out. Uh, but they will they would love to play some in-your-face kind of defense and need to improve shooting as it seems like they do every year. Um, so be, be careful with that. Be careful with, uh, keep an eye on that. Whether Mike Boynton goes hard after Dantuan Grimes again, I hope he's not in the, in the big 12. Cause I think he's going to be a pest to play against. Um, uh, but certainly the, the best and most tenacious guards in the nation are playing in this conference. So, uh, we'll see how that goes for Dantuan Grimes. Um, I saw some, some people really not a lot, um, in the comments of that tweet saying he bailed on the midseason. I, 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 that's the way college basketball is and college football is these days. I, he is making a decision for, you know, what's best for himself, um, which is probably what he did last year with the red shirt, both for himself and the team. And now he is saying, I, I've put some good tape out there. You know, I had some good interest. I know my game and a lot of coaches in the nation know my game. I'm not going to put the risk out there of, of, um, of picking up an injury. Uh, also gives a chance for Baylor to develop some guys who are going to be around next year. I, I just don't see it as a, as a selfish thing. And I, I wish him the best. I think he's going to, like I said, I think he's going to play big minutes for a big time program next year. And that it's a bummer for Baylor, but it's going to be big for him and his career. And, and Baylor will push on. They did get some good commitments on the football side of things, which hasn't been something we say all the time for Baylor. So big positives on that front coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. It is the very best place to buy tickets, guys. Uh, I am going out to a bachelor party in Arizona next month. We looked at Suns tickets. They're outrageous for this game on, a, I think it's a Thursday night. But I said, guys, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Wait for game time. Because I look, I said, guys, look at the game that they're playing tomorrow night. Those tickets are already going down. Game time is the best place to go and buy tickets, especially at the last minute. I know they're going to take care of me uh, for that. They're making sure that you're not getting all of those hidden fees that all the other ticketing websites have. They can show you your seats, your view from your seats uh, right before you buy. So you don't, you're not going in blind of obstructed views or, or anything like that. Or if you need binoculars or anything like that. So it, it is the very best place to find tickets in general, but especially those last minute tickets. You could browse through the game time app and see everything that's going on in your area, whether it's games or, you know, shows, concerts, uh, comedy events, anything like that. Uh, they have whatever has tickets. Game time has the tickets for you. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Again, download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. So we did a little preview the end of last week, it was on Friday, of the guys who were coming in, the transfer portal visits. 
for the football team this past weekend. And uh, from all that I could gather on it, it was five guys who came in and three of them have committed to Baylor. One is committed elsewhere and one I have not heard anything on. Um, so we're, but I mean, 60% approval rating, at least of the guy, I mean, really right now, 80% because only four of them have committed. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Now, Mikey Matthews, the, the, uh, small receiver from, um, from Utah has committed to Cal, which is his home state. Not, not too surprising there. Uh, but in terms of the commitments, Kurt Daniker, the guard from Ohio, uh, that was maybe the most positive in terms of a position uh, the biggest position of need, which is on the offensive line. Now he is on the interior, but the offensive line and the fact that he visited Baylor, I think it was a Wednesday, Thursday trip and then Friday, Saturday in college station. And on Friday he committed to Baylor. He, he had seen enough. He had, he had, he had drank from the Chris Kapilovic fountain of offensive line greatness. And he said, this is where I want to be. This is where I'm going to win football games. And this is where I'm going to go to the NFL. Boy, golly, I hope you're right, Kurt. Uh, but just going over him again, a top 30 guard, according to PFF and how they were graded across all of the FBS. So you, now you have the number one rated guard in FCS and a top 30 rated guard in FBS committed in this cycle. Um, and he said, I, I have full faith that either one that's Baylor or Texas A&M could develop me into an NFL talent played for a good team this year in Ohio, won 10 games, um, six, four, three certainly NFL size at that position. So love seeing that love seeing that Ashton Hawkins, the playmaker is another one coming in. He is the receiver from Texas state who was truly a darling an apple of Jake Spavadol's eye out of high school coming out of DeSoto because Spavadol was the head coach at Texas State and actually recruited him out of high school. You remember that was one of the knocks on Spavadol coming into this Baylor job was he pissed off a lot of the Texas high school football coaches because he took the head coaching job at Texas State and was looking elsewhere, was looking at the very newly minted transfer portal and what guys he could bring in from other schools because he thought Texas State was not a desirable destination for a lot of these Texas high school football guys. But Ashton Hawkins, he found a diamond in the rough there. He was a kid who was not really highly rated out of high school, even though he made plays for a, a, you know, a talent-laden DeSoto program. It always is. Um, and he made him into a a star at the college football level. Um, and I, I've mentioned, I mentioned this last week. He's had some pretty good success against Baylor has played them three times, 20 catches, 188 yards. And he went five for 58 in the game this year, which was of course a Texas state victory, all Sunbelt honorable mention the last two seasons, uh, a, a guy who can make big plays out of the slot, even at five ten, one seventy, 170. So, uh, a little lank there. Uh, but, really thrived under Spavadol. Um, in fact, in Spavadol's last year at Texas State, he was the team's leading receiver, and he only played nine games, <laughs> first nine, and then had a season-ending injury. Um, all the scouting reports and, and all the coaches that have been interviewed about him, they they just love his quickness. He is one of those guys that is is really quick off the line of scrimmage, makes quick cuts, and they love his route-running ability too. So not one who's going to freelance on you um, absolutely what this offense needs. Um, it, I mean, that is going to be 
so you're going to hear it so much. It's going to sound like cliche with this offense that Spavadol is going to run. It isn't just fast, fast, fast. It's quick, quick, quick. And there is a difference in that. And he is loading up on some really quick receivers. I mean, you already had Monterey Baldwin and Jordan Neighbors. You add an Ashton Hawkins in there as well. That's big time for Baylor. That is big time for this offense that they're going to try to run. Um, and of course, having Daquan Finn as your potential starting quarterback coming out of the transfer portal as well. Um, they are building a, a pretty formidable offense around him, considering that this was a team that was three and nine this past year. Uh, they have built, I, I think, pretty well at the skill positions. Now we'll see how that actually plays out on the field, but I like it. And, and one of the guys I was really excited about, I couldn't contain my excitement in the episode last week is Kendrick Simpkins, the safety out of Western Kentucky. I just, I love this kid's game. Just reading up. I see, I didn't watch a lot of Western Kentucky this year. I'll hold my hand up. I'll admit it. I love big red, but I did not watch a lot of Western Kentucky this year, but reading up about him, there's just so much to love. He is a safety. He's probably going to play the star position. And just off a of profile, he there's a lot of similarities between him and Jalen Petrie, who is obviously the best star position guy Baylor's ever had and one of the best defensive players they've ever had. Um, he, he profiles out a lot like him. He's a little smaller uh, at six feet, uh, but he is he is fast and he loves getting to the quarterback loves getting to the quarterback so much so that he actually led the nation led all of FBS in sacks by a defensive back <clears throat> six and a half sacks and four forced fumbles. That is a guy who loves to be around the football and loves to hit guys that to me that's jumped off the page. I was like that is a stat line we would see from Jalen Petrie. He is around the ball, and he loves hitting people. His, I know I read these quotes last week. I'm going to read them again just to take you inside the helmet a little bit of the kind of player that Kendrick Simpkins is. His defensive coordinator said he plays physical and he's smart. He can look at a lot of different things pre-snap and that are able to help him. So, even at, you know, we hear about linebacker being the, the quarterback of the defense, and that's true. But safety needs to be smart because they are the last line of defense. And, I mean, that certainly is a positive sign to hear. I know no coach is going to say that they're dumb, but when he's really being like, guys, this this guy is really smart, uh, that, that is a, a big thing. And he said, ultimately, he's a guy who wants to make a play. And if you're trying to find and you're trying to design these things, he is an easy fit to do that because he can do a lot of different things. Simpkins himself said about blitzing, I'm not a very passive person. I'm an aggressive person, whether that's covering or blitzing or whatever that is. The position I play, the type of mentality I have, kind of all fits together. So I have no problem with that. It's been great. Oh, bring that mentality here, please. Baylor has really, really struggled with the grit and tenacity and toughness and just overall edge on that side of the ball the last couple of years. We could really use a guy like Kendrick Simpkins in here. If he's going to bring that mentality and bring that production, absolutely. For those of you who listened last week, you've been waiting for the comparison that I love putting out there, Rodney Harrison. 
Is he going to be a Hall of Fame safety? I don't know. You know, chances are probably not. But the mentality he comes in with is just like that of Rodney Harrison, who is a pretty good coverage guy, but would also knock the crud out of you and love doing it and love to blitz. I mean, physicality-wise, he played like a linebacker. Um, he was a, a great blitzer who could get to the quarterback and was also pretty good in coverage too. Anyway, I am so excited about these guys. I, I am ready to bring them in and see what they can do. One team we know from Baylor what they can do is the women's basketball team. And they had a road test last night at Kansas. How did they fare, Cam? We'll get to that. But first, I got to tell you about FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Look, the, the NFL regular season is done. I know that. We're getting into the wild, what is it? Wacky wild card, super wild card, mega wild card, ultra wild card weekend this weekend. And there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways you can bet. You've got the live same game parlays. You can you know, take the guesswork out of it a little bit and see what's going on in the parlay hub. I mean, over, under, spreads, prop bets, anything like that, you can bet for it on FanDuel. So if that doesn't convince you that it's the perfect time, can I read again the $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. As for that Baylor women's basketball game, it was, I mean, talk about the bombshells of the day. This might have been the biggest one. Um, the Lady Bears go up to Lawrence and Allen Fieldhouse and absolutely lay an egg big time to a Kansas Jayhawk team that was really in need of a victory. Kansas runs away with it. First loss of the season for the Bears, 87 to 66 is the final. Oof, Maron. That was that was tough. That was tough to watch. Um it's the first win in the last 19 for Kansas against Baylor. First win over a top five program for the Jayhawks in women's basketball since 2009, 15 years ago when they beat Baylor. So uh, back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, these nights happen. That's all I can say. I mean, it's 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 much easier to say in in the, the men's game in the Big Twelve that that these things happen. You know, any given night in the Big Twelve, anybody can beat anybody. I mean, shoot, you know, women women get a big win for Kansas. The men just lost to UCF. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is the Big Twelve and women's basketball is getting towards that. It's it's not the way the men's is. I know, but it is absolutely much deeper than it was even three, four years ago. And Nikki Collin did say in, in the presser this week to not take this lightly. Uh, Kansas was a team that was the surprise of the conference last year and has a lot of talent coming back. And they were 0-3 to start the Big 12. So, you know, we kind of talked about it with Michigan State, that Michigan State game on the men's side last month, but... This team was desperate for a victory. Desperate. 
and they're playing at home. It's easy for your players to get up against the number four team in the nation, and they go and hand the Bears their first loss of the season. And it it fell apart for Baylor in this game. I mean, it was I, they were up with what, two minutes left in the half. It first half it was thirty seven twenty nine. And it's 37-37 at halftime. And then you look up and they're down, I think it was 55-41 to 41 at one point. Kansas. So a huge, I mean, just absolutely fell apart. I mean, this, this third quarter specifically is where Baylor lost the game. Um, you don't always win games in the third quarter, but you can certainly lose it. 26-10 to 10, Kansas at in the third quarter and then outscore them by five in the fourth for good measure too. I mean, you look at this one and it starts out inauspiciously enough. I mean, it's only a three point lead at the end of the first quarter, but if you're Baylor, you're like, well, the defense will settle in. The good news is we're making shots and we scored 21 points at the end of the first quarter. And it, it didn't settle in. I, 18 was the lowest total that Kansas had in a quarter all night. And they end up putting up 87 points Oof. And it's not like they were just absolutely lighting it up from three. They did. They shot well, five of 14 from beyond the arc. Baylor, on the other hand, five of 25. And I know that's not all their bread and butter. It's not exactly the MO that it was last year, the three-point shot for the Bears. But when that's not falling and you're getting bullied inside, that leads to blowout losses. And uh, you know, Baylor wins the turnover battle too, but I look at uh, the rebounding numbers total rebounds Kansas is plus 17 plus 17 48 31 I don't care how many times you turn the ball over you're not going to win a game minus 17 in the rebounding column and 18 to 11 in offensive rebounds and that leads to the second chance points which is plus 15 for Kansas just dominant I mean if you're giving them two three cracks at it that's going to happen 26 to 11 in that so and Kansas plus 24 points in the paint, 56 to 32. And it wasn't just, hey, give it down low to the big girl and let her do her thing. They they were driving all night. I mean, just blowing by Baylor. It, it was not a good defensive performance at all in any facet. Um, but again, it, it's just one of those nights <laughs> where you're on the road, you're maybe taking your opponent a little bit lightly. And it just, nothing goes right. Nothing goes right. And we saw it with the men's team on Saturday against Oklahoma State, and they were able to gut out a victory, but it's not always like that. I mean, we saw, to use the men's example, we saw them play up at Marquette last year, and nothing went right, and they lost by 25 points. And that's essentially what just happened to the women here. And so, look, it's the first loss of the season as we record this on January 10th. There's worse things in the world. Uh, the, the thing that would make this bad would be to compound this because they still have to go on Saturday to Ames to play Iowa State, um, which is much like Kansas in the last couple of years. I mean, it's, it's not a pushover game, even though Baylor was winning those games against Kansas. Uh, Iowa State is still a strong team. I know it's not what it was probably two years ago uh, where they were just shooting the lights out against everybody, but that's still a solid, solid Big 12 team there playing at home and you know, they're going to smell blood in the water. Baylor's coming off a blowout loss. So not a great night for the ladies. It really wasn't. Um, but it is only loss number one, uh, you know, to look back at the great teams of the last decade or so, 
um, they had these, even the very best teams where they'd have like two losses. You know, one of them would be against a UConn and then the other would be against whatever, maybe a West Virginia or, you know, not a Kansas because it's been 15 years, but someone like that in the conference that they probably shouldn't have lost to uh, out of the system, out of the system. And that doesn't mean they're going to run the table for the rest of the way. They've still got some really tough games. You know, Texas is still a tough team. Um, Kansas State still got a good team. Um, it's not a cakewalk the rest of the way, but I doubt they will play much worse than they did last night uh, in the rest of the conference slate. I doubt it. I doubt it. But just it's one of those nights where just everything falls apart and they they will be back. I, I don't have any doubt about that. This is still a top five and at worst top 10 basketball team when they're all healthy and firing on all cylinders. So uh, tough loss for Nikki Collin and the Bears. Got to go back out on the road this weekend and got something to prove. Got something to prove. Um, you know, it. not that anyone's really doubting their championship ambitions, but you just lost by 20 to Kansas, who hadn't won a conference game. So something to prove on Saturday and something to watch. We will have coverage of that game on Saturday um, and the men's game on Saturday. We'll have post-game reaction to both. Um, we are going to preview those games tomorrow on tomorrow's show, specifically the men's game against Cincinnati because it's a team we just don't know a lot about, new to the conference, much like BYU. And it's hopefully going to be jumping on the first Saturday night men's game at the Foster Pavilion, but we'll see. Let me know what you think. What, what, is this, what does this do to this women's team in your eyes? Does it change anything for you? Um, what, what specifically went wrong last night for Nikki Collins Bears? How do you feel about D'Antoine Grimes heading into the transfer portal? Uh, do you think it was leaving too early? Do you think he's giving up on his team? I, I personally don't. Or how about these new playmakers coming in for the football team? Let me know what you think about that down in the comments below. Any comment helps. Be sure to like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We are bringing you nothing but Baylor Athletics content every single day. And I don't work for Baylor. So that's fantastic. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow on Locked On Baylor.